Let's do this. This morning, we welcome you to Church of the Harvest. I'm going to present a message which I like to entitle my life message. It's not my testimony, but it is my life message. I've been honored to preach this in the European nations and on television, but I'm most honored that it was birthed right here in this house many years ago. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever's in your seat is going to have to get out. We're going to turn to Isaiah, the 52nd division. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, verse 1. Put on your beautiful garments. Shake yourself from the dust. Someone do this. Arise, the Amplified says, and sit down. Say, arise and sit down in a dignified place. Loose yourself from the bonds, O captive children of God. Ephesians 2 and 6 says, God has made us alive together in Christ. Someone say, in Christ. That we may sit with him in heavenly places. I want you to say, I was destined to sit with Christ in heavenly places. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the anointing in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. This is your message. Only you could have inspired and given this to me, but now it's for your people whom I love dearly. Give them what they need. Speak to them what they cannot hear. Whisper what I do not even say. Holy Spirit, come in your power and your might and your glory and let us see the power of the risen Christ. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Isaiah 52 opens up, and Israel, this great nation, is seated on the floor with a chain around her neck. She's seated beneath a place of dignity and magnitude and power and authority that God has given her. And God says, away. Awake, awake. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Wake up and put on your strength. Get up out of the ashes and sit in a place of authority. Ephesians 3 and 10 says, to the intent that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities and powers and rulers in high places. What that means is this world is the arena that principalities and powers look into to see the work of God. And those principalities and powers, both good and both bad, peered in to see Israel seated on the floor this great nation that had prophecies that out of her womb would come the one who would crush the head of the serpent. This great nation that had prophecies that the Messiah was inside of her and great things were yet to come. But here she is seated on the floor beneath her place of dignity, beneath the place of position that God has called her to. This great nation. I'm going to tell you as the curtain comes up, up. This is the scene that the world sees. This is the scene that the heavens see. But God is saying, you just hold on there, right there for a minute. Because I, the Lord, will get all my people out of sitting in ashes and cause them to rise up and move forward by the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody give him praise this morning. Someday, as I've often said, you will stand on the red carpet of eternity. And they will say, Pastor Claudius, how did you get through that situation of 2007? I'm just rolling out numbers. They will say to you, Josh Herring, how did you get through what broke your heart in 2010? And when they do, you will not give accolades to Mel Gibson or Steven Spielberg or Denzel Washington as anointed as he might be. But you you will point to the center of the heavens where the great I am sits, where the lamb stands at the right hand, and you will say because of the great I am that I am, I overcame. Somebody give him a shout of praise in this house. So here is Israel seated on the floor. Here is Israel seated on the floor. This great Israel, and before you start casting stones, this is coming to you sitting on the floor beneath a place of dignity. This Israel 
that shouted when the Red Sea was parted. This Israel that danced on the other side of the sea. This Israel that had the walls of Jericho to fall and they gave a great shout and said, God, I don't know how you did it, but you did it. Is there anybody in this room that God has done something for you and you don't even know how he did it? He kept you alive when others said addiction would take you out. He kept you strong when you were bankrupt. He kept you going forward when your heart was broken somebody give King Jesus a praise this morning this same Israel that the waters of Jordan had parted this great nation that had seen the glories of God but all of a sudden they're sitting in ashes identifying with something else identifying with something else besides what the word said about them before you cast stones this is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and I to wake up wake up get out of the ashes that you are sitting in because the enemy wants to keep you on the ground as long as he can keep you on the ground of what was and what is not he can keep you from moving forward but you've got a lion inside of you kicking to come out you have the name of Jesus the power of Jesus the hope of Jesus that you are to bring the world it's time to rise up and move forward look at your neighbor and say rise up and move forward You see, what is happening is Israel has potential. You and I have potential. We have been prophesied over by the word of God. We have purpose, but this great nation has resigned. You often sit down when you resign. You just say, it can't get any better than this. I can't see how my future will work out. Does anybody else but me say that sometimes? I can't understand how this is all going to roll. I know I'm watching a miracle, but my mercy, I don't know when it's going to come. Can I get an amen? And all of a sudden, she's forgetting all the great things that God did for her in the past. May the Lord help us that we never forget that he saved us. He bought us. He brought us through what others said would take us down when society kicked us out he put us back in can I get an amen you see what happens is I believe a wannabe God was sitting on the throne where Israel should have been sitting a wannabe God is that thing that you come in from a day at work you drop your keys on the counter and you're just saying thank you God it was a good day and all of a sudden this thing rears its ugly head And it says, remember me. Remember me, I am your unanswered prayer. Remember me, I am that bad report you just got. Remember me, I am your circumstance. Bow down, bow down. Remember me, I am your insecurity. Bow down, bow down. Remember me, I am your regrets. Bow down. Remember me, I am your past. Bow down, bow down. You see anything that causes you to cry, takes your peace, takes your joy, keeps you from doing the will of God, is nothing but a wannabe God. You serve El El Yon, the Most High God, the makers of the heaven and the earth someone give him a shout Isaiah said in Isaiah 51 to those tormentors this is where I got this from who say to you bow down bow down that we may walk or tread on you like a road that we can tread on your back because we want to keep you from moving forward says fear we want to keep you moving from moving forward says regret bow down and we will walk on you like a road and all of a sudden that posture of a child of God that posture of those that are redeemed all of a sudden that posture of those that he is called by his grace all of a sudden it changes I've met with those people behind dark or behind closed doors I've met with them in moments and watched their posture go down as that thing would rear its head and say, bow down. That thing that says, you don't have the good. 
hearts. You don't have what it takes. Bow down. That want to be God. Anything that tells you when you have to cry, I'll say it again, that takes away your joy. It's coming for your potential. It's coming for your possibility. But what the adversaries of Israel for God and what your adversaries, which is the enemy, forgets, you have one in the heavens whose eyes are upon you. You have one in the heavens whose ears are open to your cry. You have one in the heavens whose arm can move and mighty do and wonderful glorious things. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, tell that thing to get out of your seat. Isaiah says, put on your strength, Becky. Put on your strength. I love that the Spirit of the Lord doesn't ask if you have the strength. Brother Steve, it's so good. I haven't been able to greet you. You, you don't have the strength. He knows he's laid the strength for you. One of my personal favorites is Ephesians 3 and 16. God will give you out of his rich treasury. I love that. Treasury is a preservation of that which is precious and treasures. And it says out of that treasury, out of that place in his kingdom, he will give you glory. He will give you strength. He will reinforce you. He will cause you to rise up when the world pushes you down. When you think you can't go on, when you think you've come to the end of yourself, God will merely reach into the treasury of his glory and he will give you everything you need. You do have the goods today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. They saw Israel seated on the floor. I love that Job 22 and 29 says, when they make you low, when they make you low. I mean, this is crazy. You will stand and you will say, there is a lifting up. There is an exaltation coming the next time the enemy berates you and puts you low and tells you you're too old. Well, guess what? You know how old Jacob was when he wrestled the angel? You think he was a strapping 30 or he was a strapping 60? He was 97 years old when he wrestled the angel at that place and God changed his name. You are not too old to do what God has called you to do. The next time the enemy pushes you down and says you don't have the right look. I preached on television my first time with borrowed clothes from other people. The next time the enemy says you don't have the skills, you remind him. Those that walked with Jesus, the disciples, they said they speak as those that are schooled. They speak not as ordinary men because the presence of the Lord can increase your dialect. The presence of the Lord can strengthen your frame. The presence of the Lord can give you wisdom you didn't go to school for, education you didn't pay for for a degree. The presence of the Lord can lift you up because if God be for you, he is more than the world against you. Somebody give him a shout of praise. They forgot that Israel said, you serve the El Elyon, the God is so high you cannot go over him. He can go down so low, it says, if I make my bed in hell or I ride on the wings of the wind. There's one translation that says he comes right underneath you. When you go low, he comes underneath you with his wings and he starts to pick you up. I don't know about you, but I've had some low moments in my life. I've had some low moments maybe when others said it's done for her. The chips are down from the time of my divorce when they put a scarlet letter on me. I remarried that same man in case you're new to that story. From the time of everything that he did in my life, I know that in the moments of darkness and coldness like in your life when others said it's done well that diagnosis is going to take them out that situation is going to push them back the Lord says you can push down low but I will fly even lower and I will get beneath you and I will lift you up on wings like an eagle somebody give the Lord the shout of praise in this house 1 Samuel 2 and 9 said he raises the poor it's the verse that I got queen for a day from, from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap 
and sits them among princesses. You see, as Israel is seated on the floor, when you are going through a bad season in your life, and that may be this moment right now, and you feel, I can't go any lower, the Lord says, don't you worry. There is an exaltation coming. Humble yourself before me, and in due time, I will lift you up. And the Lord says, don't you worry. I will raise people out of the dust. I will raise the poor, and I will cause them to sit among princes because these are my people called by my name cleansed by the blood of my son and for my glory I defended them at Calvary and I will defend them today somebody give him a shout of praise Micah 7 says don't enemy rejoice over me message Bible so kind of cools it out a little bit I'm down but I'm not out I'm sitting in the dark right now but God is my light he is on my side. I love this. He'll turn on the lights in a minute. He will turn. You ever been in a dark, dark room? When I was little, I was like, Daddy, please just turn on the light. I can't see anything, Daddy. To my sweet daddy. And he'd get that little light on wherever we were, the backwoods at his, at his daddy's house where it was so dark you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. But then Daddy would turn on the light back there in the backwoods of Mississippi. And, I'd say, okay, Daddy, I'm okay now. I love that I have an Abba Father, even if I had a cruel earthly father, which I didn't. But if you did, you have a God who says, if it feels dark right now, I will turn on the light for you. I will make a way. I will. And the psalmist, or Micah, goes on to say, he'll turn on the light, and I'm going to see the whole picture. Don't you love that? And how right he is. And everyone will see it too. So you you will be discredited, O enemy of my soul. You that say, oh, where is this God of yours as I'm going through things? Well, if you're going to hang around for that, hang around for the parade. When God turns on the light and his glory fills this place, somebody give him a shout in this house. He says, shake yourself from the dust. Do it again. Because the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives in you. He got up, and you can too. So what are they identifying with? Are they identifying with regrets? Maybe Israel is identifying with a regret. Maybe you have identified with a regret as well. Regrets. Maybe what caused Israel to sit on the floor beneath that place of power and position is because, like you and I, we identify with regrets. I wished I had gone right when I went left. I wished I had not ever said that to my daddy. I wished I had never said that to my mom. I wished I'd been a better parent. I wished I had not made that decision on that day because it seems like, I'm going to tell you something about regrets. It's like snake venom. It goes straight to your brain to try to destroy you. It's snake venom, like, like if I may make that analogy, that goes immediately to try to take out your brain power. But just as there's an antidote to snake venom that came from a horse who beat it, there is an antidote to regrets. There there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains give him the praise this morning maybe the regrets over the past and that scarlet letter someone tried to put on you I want to tell you something maybe people's opinions about you have affected you fear of man is a snare Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do not let people's opinions put you on the floor. They yelled, crucify him, right after they yelled, crown him. And some that will clap the loudest for you may betray you. Some that were your BFFs, your best buddies, and rejoice. But when you start living a different life for the kingdom, they may want to bring up your past. I'm going to tell you something. God knew who you were when he called you, and he knew what he was getting into when he redeemed you. There is nothing about your past or your regrets that will change his mind. Stop listening to the opinions of others and turn off your own opinion and listen to what the word of God says about you. You are the head and not the tail. You are the blessed of the Lord. You are called and anointed. You are declared to be worthy. You are exceptional. You are favored. You are glad in his joy. Someone give him a praise in this house. 
thing about regrets is you wish that you had looked cooler. You know, some, some young ministry students say, I, I don't want to look stupid. I said, well, then you're not going to be in ministry. Because you got to be willing. I had, sometimes the, Kelly Goins and I talk quite a bit, and sometimes we relive all the ridiculous things I did when I led worship. One of those things that's become well known, I went through a season in which I, long, I wore a long wig. It's over. Look at your neighbor. Hey, it's over. I just wear extensions now, but I may go back to a wig. You never know. And I wore this really long wig. And if you know nothing about a wig, if you weren't raised by a good church of God, wig-wearing woman like I was, you knot your hair up in a ball, and then you put that wig on it. My mom was creative, so she even decorated the wig styrofoam heads and put them on a cooler in the bathtub. And it was blessed to hear my little brother's friends scream in horror in the middle of the night as they saw those painted wig heads. Come on, somebody. But I was up here leading worship, and the Lord was moving. It was over there. And the Lord was moving. Spirit of the Lord was moving powerful. I had on that log wig. Hair was flowing. I was going this way, and then I was going that way. And then all of a sudden, what I feared did not come upon me. It started going all of me, off of me. I was going this way. My wig was going that way. I did what any anointed woman. It was my hour, my season of power. I used to hate it when people said that I'd make it for fun. And I went to the pulpit, and I said, Church, the Lord is doing a mighty work in this house. Everyone close your eyes quickly. Quickly, 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 quickly. So as everyone closes their eyes, I love to tell this at African-American churches. They'll get up and start marching toward me. I mean, they'll start throwing their weaves. I went back to where my drummer was. His name was Sweet Mark, still a sweetie to me. And he was beating the drums. They weren't in the cage then. They were out in the open. And he was beating the drums. And I went back there and I said, Mark, my God, help me. My wig is coming off. He kept the beat going with one hand like a drummer should do. He reached up with the other hand and he tightened that thing. I thought he was going to cut my skull open. Tightened it up. He said, you're good, Pastor. You're good. So I ran back up while everybody had their eyes closed and things were going good. I said, open your eyes, church. The Lord has accomplished a mighty thing in this house. And that's just one of my uncool moments through the years. Sometimes we don't know how to shake that snake off like Paul did in front of everybody to mess up. We want something looking perfect. Ministry's never perfect. You watch people on TV, what Joel Osteen, he always looks perfect. That's because they're editing Joel Osteen's stupid moments out. Come on. I've done TV. They edit out the stupid. I've said some stupid things y'all never heard the editors go, edit out number four. Edit out number six. I don't know what she said, but it was stupid. Edit it out. But you think, I don't, I don't want to do the will of God because I don't want to look uncool. There will always be moments when you don't look cool. But we've got to be a church that will say, you can shake off whatever you're going through right here. You can shake off that bankruptcy right here. You don't have to go hide at your house. You can shake off being arrested. Many, many, many have come here with felonies, with misdemeanors or whatever. You can come and shake it off. The thing the enemy wants you to do is to hide on the floor, to build a barricade of your isolation and pull you away from the body of Christ. We've got a people that will say, I'm going to get past my regrets. Give King Jesus a shout of praise. Josiah was king at age eight. Abraham said, I'm going to die. He went on to birth six boys through Keturah at 136 years old. And you're too old? You're too old to do the will of God? Get those regrets behind you. If a man can birth six boys, I mean, I don't want to birth no six boys at 136, but that means you can still bring to the earth what God has called you to bring to the earth at any age, at any time, at any season. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter your age. If Abraham can whip out six boys through Keturah in seven years and go on to live, you can fulfill the will of God in this generation. Somebody give him praise look at your neighbor and say whatever's in your seat needs to get out maybe Israel is identifying with fear fear is crazy fear is a master weaver fear will connect dots that were never meant to be connected fear will paint pictures in the middle of the night of things that are going to happen to you they're not going to happen to you 
fear will take this point and connect it to that point and especially for us contemplators can I get an amen and then connect it to this point and then to that point and you've built up something one of my elders said to me when I was young in ministry you've got to protect yourself you've got such a gift of imagination and creativity and I say that humbly because it's him but said you've got to protect yourself because the same gifting is your yin and your yang if you're not careful you will imagine things that are not real you will imagine scenarios that happen to your children to your life to the church to the future you've got to shut down that imagination because fear will always paint a picture of torment fear will paint a picture of doom fear will paint a picture of it's over but it is not over can I get an amen somebody give him a shout of praise so one night I love to walk I walk on the greenway now before then I walked in our neighborhood my husband my late husband used to say, I take a little Walkman with me back in the day when we roamed with dinosaurs upon the earth. And we carried, we carried Walkmans and no phone. And he said, honey, please be careful when it gets dark. You scare me. You scare me. So I was walking, working on a sermon, probably this sermon. And I was walking and I was listening to my little Walkman, my little music. And I got way away from the house. I didn't recognize where I was. And all of a sudden I saw this long blue station wagon come pulling down the road. It went slower and slower. I've watched way too much Law and Order with CSI and all those other people. And I could imagine they were going to throw my carcass in the back of this long blue station wagon after they buried me deep or no one could ever find me. My imagination got going so, and I thought, dear God, they're not stopping. I mean, I, so I thought, well, I always have a plan. I'm a woman. So I walk into the yard of a house I've never been to. And I thought, if I walk into this house, he's going to stop. But he didn't stop. He kept slowing down. White man with big old bushy hair. And he slows down right there. I thought, my God, he's a stalker. He's a murderer. He doesn't care. I go up the steps to a house that I have never been to. I don't know these people. I put my hand on the knob. He keeps coming. I open the door. It's unlocked. I walk into a house I've never been into. I shut the door behind me, and I lock it, and I said, Jesus! And a little Italian woman came around the corner peeling her potatoes. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. She wasn't even scared. I mean, I just broke into her home, and she's still peeling her potatoes because dinner's got to get on the table. Come on, somebody. She's peeling her potatoes. I said, I am not a murderer, and I do not do this on a consistent basis. But there is a man that's following me, and he would not stop. I'm so sorry her big cocker spaniels came up and started jumping on my head, and I'm talking to her. She goes, okay, we're going to call the police. Let me look out, honey. What kind of car was he driving? We're going to call the police. That's what we're going to do. Still peeling her potato. She went to open her blinds, and about that time she said, what kind of car was it? And I said, it was a long, blue, dark station wagon. When I said that, she... She turned toward me, and all of a sudden, some sense of sanity hit my head. And I said, your husband doesn't drive a big blue station wagon, does he? She said, no, but my son does, and he's trying to come home for dinner. So I said, he, he, he came in and just kind of looked at me like, you idiot. I was going, hey, 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 what are you doing? How are you doing? Good day. I walk out of that house, and as I turn, I said, I'm going to bake you some cookies, some really good cookies. And I, like an idiot, I said, now I'm going to bring you my six-pack on how to overcome fear. <laughs> like she wants to hear anything from me. I start walking back to the house. As I'm walking back to the house, I say to Holy Spirit, where were you? And that's just the way I talk to him. I respect him and honor him above all. But I said, sir, where were you? I just made an idiot out of myself. I broke into that house. Why didn't you tell me that that guy lived in that house? I mean, this is before you could pack. But, you know, now I'll just go shooting like the OK Corral. But anyway, uh, I said, why didn't you? I would have shot her son. But anyway, um, I said, why didn't you tell me, Holy Spirit? And he said something so powerful to me I've never forgot. He said, I tried. I tried. But you kept turning down my volume, and you kept turning up fear's volume. And all of a sudden, fear was so loud, you could not hear my voice of truth. 
I was trying to tell you. I want to tell you something. Fear will try to evict you from your promise. Fear is a bully. I had bullies in high school, and I came to know that my daddy paid taxes to the same government that their daddy paid, and I had a right to be at that high school, and I want to tell you something. You have a right to do the will of God. Do not let fear evict you. You evict fear. Do not let fear have its work, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love mind. Can you give him a praise this morning? Come on, can you give him a praise this morning? Maybe Israel identified with a trial, the things we go through. James says, don't think it's strange, the trial. I'm going to move quickly through this because I've spoken on this a lot in this season. Don't think it's strange when you go through a trial, but we do. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why this hard time? But the Lord says, trials will come that love him. You have three options with a trial. You can endure the trial, and you're going to miss the point of it altogether. You can escape the trial, and the trial has become your master. Or you can enlist the trial, meaning you can say to God, I don't know where this hard time came in my life and this hard season But, Lord, I know that you are the one who owns the highway. And I know this trial has an expected end, according to Jeremiah 29 and 10 in the Living Bible. I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you an expected end. A trial has a beginning, but it also has an expiration date. Can I get an amen? And when it has an expiration date, what you say to that trial is, you know what? You may be driving the car. You may make me afraid, and I may want to cry you hard season, you hard place. But I'm going to tell you something. When my great God says your time is done, when he puts a limit on you, I'm not getting out of this car crawling on my belly. Oh, no trial. You're getting out of the front seat. You're coming back like a chauffeur. You're going to open the door and I'm going to get out praising the God who makes gold come out of hard seasons. Somebody give him praise in this house house and trial I'm going to put you on my resume when they say where did you get your strength from Rhonda Davis which sometimes they say where did you get your courage it will not be at Lee University it will not be in born to great spirit filled people but I will say it was in the fiery trial that I got my courage it was in the hard place So trial, I'm going to put you on my resume so all who enter your gates of fire will know they will come out as God. Hallelujah. Maybe Israel identified with a sorrow. Come help me, Josh. You know you're this clay behind me. It's not done. I have an illustration to end this one. Identify with sorrow. They brought to Jacob, the great patriarch, this coat of Joseph's. And they said, Joseph is dead. Look, they ripped your son to pieces, wild animals. He's dead. Jacob said the words that have gone down in infinity, I will go to the grave mourning for my son. Sorrow and loss has done that to many of you. It's given you calculated excuse to give up it wants you to look through the filter of that which you have lost it wants you to look through the filter of brokenheartedness of sorrow of anything you have passed through it will show you evidence and this evidence is about your emotions about your mind evidence Evidence you need to give up. It's over. It's done. This sorrow, this brokenness of heart, your best days are behind you. And we, like Jacob, begin to say, I will lie down. Bow down, says sorrow. Bow down. Find an excuse to give up in this moment. But what Jacob did not know, he was completely convinced, but he was completely wrong. What are you completely convinced of this morning, but completely wrong about? What are you convinced about, but wrong that you think best days are behind you? This has happened and that has happened. 
what Jacob did not know if he had investigated if he could have forgive the uh, the crassness of this if he had tasted of the blood he would have known he was a shepherd that was not the blood of his son that was blood of wild animals that the boys had done to try to convince him that Joseph was dead. I'm going to tell you something. Jacob's dream was still alive. Joseph was not dead. He was on his way to the right hand of Pharaoh. He was on his way to rule over Egypt. And I'm going to say to you this morning, your dream is not over. Your purpose is not over. Your your ministry and what God has called you to do is not over. Your purpose lives. Joseph would land at Egypt at the right time. I want to say to you this morning by the Holy Spirit, your dream, your ministry, your vision, it will land at the right time and at the right place. The Lord God is with you. Somebody give him shout. It's headed straight where it ought to go before I begin my closing illustration. You see, wannabe gods, fear, regret, the past, they're created by the fallen world. But Colossians says this about King Jesus. For by him, all things were created. Things that are in heaven, things that are in the earth, things that are visible, things that are invisible. Whether thrones or dominion or principalities, all things were created by him and for him. You and I have got to stop letting things created by the fall bully us and make us bow down and sit in the ground. We need to do what Psalms 57 says. I will cry out to the most high God who fulfills his purposes for me and surely completes it. Give him a shout of praise this morning. Give him a shout of praise. I want to show you what that wannabe God looks like as it comes in this room this morning holding your garment of praise, holding your crown of glory, whether you're a son of God or a daughter of God. He called you a royal chosen generation, priesthood. It comes in cocky and confident that it's got you. And it says, bow down. I may walk on you like a robe. Bow down. Unanswered prayer. Your past. Your regrets. Bow down that bad report. That physical dilemma. That disease says bow down. Addiction says bow down. Alcoholism says bow down. That we may walk on you. We want to keep you from moving forward because we know something powerful is inside of you. Listen, I don't deny, nor do I lie in the pulpit. I tell things about myself that probably embarrasses you. But I'm still at almost 62 fighting the same voice that you're fighting that says you're not good enough. You don't have the goods. And people are like, oh, can't believe it. But it's true. And every main woman and man of God that I know upon the earth that that travel in the glory of the kingdom all over the world fight the same voice. The enemy wants to keep not what was in your life because he's already seen that. He's trying to keep what will be. He's trying to stop what will come forth. Someone just lift your hand and say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. So Israel is seated on the floor beneath her place of dignity and honor with a chain around her neck and principalities and powers dominions and rulers and authorities peer in just as they are on you and I think we've got Israel now we've got Tim now we've got Rhonda now we've got Chuck we're going to keep them from moving forward this is good this is good we've got Courtney now we've got Jennifer we've got Halen Monica, we got mad. We're going to keep them from moving forward and bringing into the earth what might be salvation to all mankind. For each one of us in this room, including myself, have a gift that no one else has. And the enemy wants you to not bring it forth. And all of a sudden, I like to believe that Israel, like us, here is the prophet Isaiah 
which we hear the word of the Holy Spirit this morning saying, wake up, wake up. What are you doing sitting on the floor in ashes? Why do you have that chain around your neck? Why are you letting fear and depression, addiction, regrets in your past take your place? Why it keeps you on the floor so low, so low. This is never where I intended you, says the Spirit of the Lord this morning. Thank you, sir. This is never where I intended you to be. I never preordained that those things would bully you, but you've got to hear my voice. All of a sudden, I believe that Israel shook herself from the dust like we do. Things that move don't get dust. Furniture that sits still in a house unoccupied is covered with dust. Like shake yourself from the dust. Shake yourself from the ashes of what was. Shake yourself, child of God. This is not what I called you to do. I know this is not where he called us to be. On the floor, beat down, bow down, bow down, bow down. Oh, Jesus. And all of a sudden, Israel, like us, began to think, why am I sitting on the floor? Israel shook themselves from the dust. Israel threw off the chain. And I want to say to you this morning, Genesis 27 and 40 says, when you grow restless, you will throw the yoke off. There are some things we can have people pray for us for. There are some things we can go to study groups for. But there's moments in my life when no one was there and I had to throw the yoke off of my own self. I had to throw that chain that wanted to bind me. I had to throw that chain that wanted to confine me. I had to throw that chain off and say, I have grown restless from sitting on the floor and being intimidated by the enemy. I refuse to do it anymore. I am a child of the king and I throw off the chain and the yoke. Somebody give King Jesus praise. And all of a sudden, we start to think, why am I seated on the floor? My God created the heavens and the earth. Regret? Why are you in my seat? Why are you in my seat? Regret? You've been telling me when I can be happy, when I can cry. You rear your ugly head and I bow down. But my God hung the sun in the sky and the moon at night and he spoke to both of them and said stand still till I tell you to move again my God commands the morning and it shakes the evil out of the earth come on want to be God of regret if you're so powerful see if the sun will go into the heavens and the moon will come at the night see if it will respond to you come on regret you think you're so powerful try to do it if you can you can't because it won't listen to you because I belong to the I am that I am. The name that is to all generations. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Come on, fear. You've been tormenting me, waking me up in the middle of the night, painting pictures of what's going to happen. This is going to happen. You're going to lose your job. You're going to die. Something terrible is going to happen to your children. Fear, you've been a master weaver connecting points and waking me up. You never wake me up reminding me of what I've done for the Lord, which is true. You only wake me up to try to make me afraid. So let me say, fear, you're just a wannabe God. My God calls the lightning forth according to the book of Job and it reports and says, here we are. My God calls the thunder and it rumbles out from its secret place. My God hung the stars in the sky and he named the billion stars. And it says when he calls them, they stand up like a military host and say, here we are, oh creator. Come on, that's my God. Come on, you want to be God of fear. See if the lightning will come to you. See if the thunder will come out of its reserve. See if the stars will line up. Give it a chance if you can. 
It won't. You can't do it because you're a wannabe God. But I serve Elohim, the creator of the ends of the earth. His name is glorious. Everything came from him and everything belongs to him. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Come on, my trial. I've identified with you. I've identified with you circumstance, what I'm going through instead of what the word says. I've been letting you make me cry, make me weep, intimidate me, back me up out of the place I'm supposed to be. You say that you own me. You say that you won't let go of me. You say that I will stay bowed down to you, my trial, my circumstance that I'm going through, but the word of God tells me to identify with what the word says about me, not what my situation says about me. So come on trial. I'm going to tell you that my God weighs the water in the hollow of his hand. He weighs them, and then he puts them out. He tells the Pacific, you can come only this far, but not move until I speak to you again. To the Atlantic, the great Mediterranean, the Tigris, the Black Sea, the Indian Ocean. He says, stay in your place until I, the Lord, speak to you again. Do not cross the boundary I have said, according to the book of Job. Come on trial. You think you're so awesome. You think you're so powerful. See if you can weigh the waters of the land. See if you can tell it where its boundaries are. See if it will listen to you. No, you can't do it because you're just a wannabe God. You are not my master. My master is Jesus, the great Adonai. He is Lord and he is Savior. Somebody give him a shout. Okay, sorrow, my past, my hurt, betrayal of my own, betrayal of others. You've been making me so scared to go forward. You've made me look at everything through that filter of sorrow and that filter of heartbreak. I almost believed you. I almost believed you. I almost stayed on the floor. But I'm going to tell you something. My God, my God, he created man out of the dust in the earth. He formed him, and he called him Adam or Adam. And then the Bible says he reached down and breathed the Ruha Kadesh breath of God into Adam. And when he did, Adam rose up and became a living soul. Come on, my past. Come on, my sorrow. See if you can take the clay I provided for you underneath your seat. See if you can take it. See if you can form a living man out of it. And after you form him, see if you can breathe the Ruha. Uruha HaKodesh, breath of God. No, you can't do it because you are merely a wannabe God. But I serve the great God of all the earth. I serve the Redeemer of mankind. Somebody give King Jesus the praise. Come on, give him the praise this morning. Let's deal with this thing. So... You're holding my garment of praise. I want to speak in terms that do not relate to me, but relate to the people that I've helped. So please forgive me, not that I don't have my own things. I come in and I praise the Lord. And then you say, bow down. Remember, you just did this last night. I come in to worship and then you say, bow down. Remember who you really are. You don't have a right to praise God. I get up and I say, I love you, Jesus. And you say to me, you don't have a right to speak. You have taken my garment of salvation. Isaiah 61 says, he hath clothed us with salvation. 
with a robe of righteousness. But you've been telling me when I can praise him. You've been telling me when I can worship him. You've been telling me when I can have gratitude. But I'm going to say to you today, that is my garment of praise. That is my robe of righteousness. Jesus paid for it with his life at Calvary. You are treacherous. You are trespassing on holy ground. In the name of Jesus, give me back my garment of praise. Give me back my robe of righteousness. For he hath clothed me with praise. He hath clothed me with a garment of salvation. Somebody lift up the praise to King Jesus. Hallelujah. That is my crown of glory. You've been tormenting my mind, even though the word says that I have the mind of Christ and I can hold the intents and thoughts of his heart. But you've been tormenting my mind. It's not anxiety, it's worry. If it's not worry, it's doubt, insecurity, telling me I don't have what it takes, reminding me of things in my past. You try everything to take that. But this is what's so important. You don't understand want to be God. An angel records in Psalms 8 when God created the world. What is man that you are mindful of him? You made him a little lower than Elohim, and you crowned him with glory and honor. When God went to crown mankind, he did not reach for the rubies or the silver or the gold, but he reached into himself and crowned mankind with glory and honor. You and I have been crowned with the mind of God and the mind of Christ and we need to get these trespassers out can I hear a praise in this house in the name of Jesus give me back my crown of glory give it back in the name of Jesus we have the mind of Christ somebody praise him release from fear release from worry I decree release from anxiety I decree a mind that is controlled by God someone wave a hand before him we're almost done he said he's made me to sit in heavenly places with him but I've been on the floor bowing down to you bowing down to fear bowing down to my past bowing down to shame shame says bow down I'm going to walk on you like a fear regret bow down but I'm telling you something I've realized you have taken a place in a position that is not yours I'm tired of you taking from me what God has given me freely at Calvary. I'm tired of that. I hope you recognize this face. This is the face of the bride of Jesus Christ that he redeemed at Calvary. This is the face of the church of Jesus Christ who is serving notice on you today. This is the face, the same face you probably saw when the Spirit of the Lord resurrected Jesus from the caverns of the dam. This is the same power, resurrection power, this is the same anointing, the same glory, the same awesome, mighty miracle of the Holy Ghost. So by His power and in the name of Jesus, I say to you, in the name of Jesus, get out of my seat. Come on, somebody, stand and give Him glory. Stand and give Him the highest praise. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Listen, before I pray for you, He has made you to sit in heavenly places. It's not about a female crown. It's not about any of that. Sons and daughters of the Most High God, the best is yet to be for you. Will you let these things beat you down? All these things I said, or will you take your seat? I wish it was something that just happened once, Pastor Todd, but it's not. You have to over and over again evict those things from the throne. As every eye is closed right where you're standing. If you're battling fear this morning, I want you to lift your hand right where you are. If you're battling insecurity this morning, I want you to lift your hand right where you are. If you're battling what's happened in your past, I want you to lift your hand right where you are. If you're battling insecurity, I want you to lift your hand right where you are. Regrets, regrets. So many, so many hands all over this room, all over this room. 
all over this room, all over this room. Hallelujah. Thank you. Unless you're worshiping, you can put that hand down now. You can open your eyes. Would you do this with me? Say, King Jesus, today I evict these things that bully me, that push me down. I decree today that I have inside of me so much potential, so much promise, and I will not allow the enemy to bully me anymore, but I will take my place in the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship him for a moment. You just worship him where you are. We love you, King Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We love you, King Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 